Welcome back to the Madonna Get Together podcast. I am your host, Wayne, and you all should know my next guest. Back in 1995, fans received something to remember. And no, I'm not referring to the greatest hits ballad. But, um, well, yes, we did get that. But I am talking about a gift from a true blue super fan who compiled for us 207 pages of anything and everything related to Madonna, which is aptly titled Encyclopedia Madonica. Now, almost 30 years later, and to help celebrate Madonna's 40 years in the music biz, Matthew Rettman has given us a reinvented version. This third edition includes a comprehensive update with 676 pages filled with exclusive interviews, including a one-on-one with none other than Madonna's former but longtime publicist, Liz the Validator Rosenberg. We also get an exclusive interview with Susan Seidelman, director of Desperately Seeking Susan, plus never-before-seen photos, including the new cover of Encyclopedia Madonica. We also get a hardcover and a softcover. Matthew is also the author of many other novels and other publications, such as MLVC 60, Madonna's 60 Most Amazing Magazine Covers, Totally Awesome 80s, the novel Boy Culture, which was made into an award-winning film of the same title, which also shares the title with his boyculture.com blog site. He was also the founder and editor-in-chief of Popstar Magazine. I had the pleasure of meeting him at Madonna's New York City Pride event this past June. Please welcome to the neighborhood the ever-talented and Madonna fan royalty, Royal Box royalty, Matthew Redmond. Welcome. Thank you so much for the warm welcome and the really effusively positive words. I, I appreciate it. <laughs> Absolutely. How are you doing today? What's I'm going doing, on? I'm doing great and I'm happy to be having my Madonna podcast cherry popped. Ah, uh, th- is this really your first podcast? It's my first Madonna podcast. Ah. And I'm trying to think if it's my first podcast. I know I've been interviewed by Zoom and I've been interviewed over the phone, of course, but I don't think I've been interviewed on a podcast. Yeah, I have. I actually, I have, but still it's exciting because it's new and it's Madonna. Yeah, absolutely. Um, so I hear you got a, a new book out. Um, kind of, (laughs) (laughs) well, I know that you've been working really hard because you're, you're kind of managing every aspect of this release from um you just got your copy in that you have to kind of like proofread and make sure everything's right before they can start getting sent out to all the fans and i know that you're doing it individually by like you're doing it one by one sending it to every um fan so they're getting a very personal touch i wasn't sure if people would want a new edition um in my mind it's so soon but it's really not it's been six years since the last time i updated it um so I, so I thought, well, I want to give them some value. I gave them a never-before-seen studio portrait on the cover uh, from 1984, which you can't beat. And yeah. I do have some new photos inside. And I went through and did an entry-by-entry entry update. So it's not like stuff tacked on at the end. And I don't tend to get rid of entries to make room. I just add more stuff in. Oh, wow. So it was labor-intensive. And then as, as difficult as it is to keep up with her, because especially now, I feel like it's a frenzy of every day there's something new. Mm-hmm. Um, I do keep notes, and I, you know, so it took me several months, and then it took several months to design. But really, the hardest part is this part, which is where I'm fulfilling, like you said, because I could go and get a, 
a, a traditional publisher would publish this. Um, but I like the idea of, you know, the way self-publishing works now, it's all print on demand. There's no yeah. waste. And right. you know exactly how many you're selling. You know exactly who's buying it. And you can keep lists of that. And, and then I have the only the downside is I sold a lot of books. I did. I sold quite a few in the last month. I had a pre-order and now it's on sale at Amazon. But so all the pre-orders and all the orders that came through me, I do have to go into a system and type in every single time their address, my information, make sure it goes through credit card fraud. Okay. Call the credit <laughs> card company, you know, because people are ordering from, you know, Finland and the UK, yeah, and Canada, yeah. for some reason, Canada is difficult. Um, the U S all over the place. So it's, I guess I'd describe it as a labor of love, but like, the kind of labor that women go through at birth. Like it's really, it's tough. It's tough. <laughs> well, I am sure I left out a ton of your accomplishments. So um, help me out. And I want you to take me back to the beginning. You know, tell me when you became a fan and why you decided to create Encyclopedia Madonica and how it helped you to do all these other things that you've done. I actually have a very vivid memory of the very first time I heard Madonna, which not everybody does of their of their favorite person sometimes mm -hmm. you just kind of become aware of them i was being driven home from a dungeons and dragons meetup with my friends mm -hmm. and i was obsessed with casey Kasem's american top 40 and and all popular radio and i collected 45s and i was just really interested in, in current music and i think i had just heard like shannon's let the music play and then on came madonna and i was like what is this? What is holiday? This is great. And, and it sounded, you know, I, I did, as people have often said, I thought she might be like a black disco diva. And I was like, well, whoever this girl is, I have to go and get this single. I have to find mm -hmm. out what this song is. And, and then I just, from there, I, I think, I think the second poster I ever bought, and now I have, I don't even know how many was of Madonna. Um, and, and I just, and I got really into her even more. I think once like a virgin came out, because as obsessed as I was with those songs, I, I didn't actually buy her first album until I bought her second album. Like okay. a lot of people. Yeah. Um, so I, I just got steadily more interested in her. I liked, I love the, the sound of the music. It's always first and foremost, the music. If you take away all of her visual artistry and you take away the controversy and the persona, it's still the music is flawless. And that's yeah, important. absolutely. And then, um, I think I just, what put me up to the next level was she was from Michigan like me. So it was very easy to kind of see her as an inspiration about someone who can um, be exactly who they want to be and get out of where they are and go to where they need to be. Uh, and I, I love the fact that she seemed so progressive. I would have called it probably um, open-minded at that point, but yeah, she was yeah. kind of always a progressive figure. And so I started collecting stuff and I, I don't know, I've always been interested in fandom and in some ways I felt like I was interested in fandom over there as an interesting thing. And then I wasn't a part of it, but of course I've now merged those two things <laughs> and I just started collecting. I love ephemera. I love paper items. Uh, I started collecting all of her magazine covers. Um, I mean, visually there's just no comparison to, to Madonna when it comes to all the things that were out there in the culture at that time. Right. So by the time early nineties came around, it was, 
I guess it would have been in 1991. I thought, I think it was 1991. I saw a book, uh, an encyclopedia of Marilyn Monroe. And there, Marilyn Monroe had so many books written about her. I was like, oh, this one is A to Z. That's interesting. And I loved that format. So I completely thought I should do this with Madonna because no one's done this yet. And I want to do mine in a different way. I want mine to be a little cheekier, almost like a, I want it to be legit. I want it to have all the facts, mm-hmm. but I also want it to be kind of ridiculous how many facts there are, including absurd facts that no one really needs. I love trivial, you know, things about Madonna and about, because sometimes those things open up a conversation and make you realize, oh, it really wasn't that trivial. It was kind of speaking to what was going on in the culture at the time. Um, so I started doing index cards, like three by five index cards, um, using my archive. So I'd go through a magazine, Newsweek, and I'd take down a quote, and I'd say, oh, this has to do with a cross, so I'll, I'll put this in an entry about crosses, and this has to do with Cindy Lauper, we'll put that in there. It was all physical, it was all manual, because there was no internet. Wow. And then I started working at St. Martin's Press in New York once I moved to New York. I had been in Chicago, and... I mean, I just wrote the whole book, or I wrote most of the book, actually. I didn't write the whole book. And I had a book proposal because I worked for a literary agent first, so I knew how to do it. Mm-hmm. Um, and I got the proposal already, and I, I sent it around with help from my agent, Jane Jordan Brown, who is no longer with us. And she had a good, she had a big name. You know, she was just a well-known, just legitimate agent. So everybody looked at it. I have all kinds of rejection, rejections from that period. Most of the people said two things. They either said, Madonna's not popular anymore. This is 1992, three, because <laughs> sex had happened. Right. So it was yeah. 1993, let's say. Madonna's no longer popular. Or they even were, were more clueless and said, will she still be popular when we publish this in 18 months? Mm. In their mind, she was still a potential flash in the pan. And I was saying like it or not, she's an icon by now. She's always, always going to be famous. Yeah. Um, and then interestingly enough, I, so I, I wound up hand selling the book to one of the editors at St. Martin's press, one of the big editors, Tom Dunn. And I don't know why, because I mean, you don't usually get to, when you work for a book publisher, they're not excited to publish works by editorial assistants. So it wasn't favoritism. <laughs> I hand sold it to him. He wrote down the figure and he passed it across. It was so classic. And he passed it across the desk with like his offer and I accepted it. And and it all took off from there. That's amazing. It's very old school. You mentioned, you know, trying to find all these interesting tidbits and and things look like scrounging through old magazines and probably like interviews on TV and stuff. Um, I think I remember in the first one, it, it, was there something about where she gets her her waxing done? Yes, that or was something like that. That got I remember that was highlighted. <laughs> um, I think Rolling Stone might have highlighted that. Some yeah. someone did that. I think that was great because it sort of encapsulated what I was trying to do, which yeah. was it's a fact. This is what was reported. It's it it was true, and it was also it also spoke to how absurd it is that we would care that anyone would care about this. And that's what entertainment journalism, which I still work in is it's about minutia, you know, like if someone Mm -hmm. is famous enough, you care whether you love them or hate them. You want to know who's waxing their legs. Yeah. You know, just because you want to know it. 
So I, so yeah, that was great. And they also, I remember it was also underscored by on the radio that there was a story about her not liking to give blowjobs. And she made this comment, like it was, whether it was a joke, she had made a comment that was kind of anti blowjob, sort of like from a feminist perspective. And so of course I reported it cause it was true and it was funny. And I remember this, these guys on the radio, she didn't know what they were talking about, but they said there was a new book that came out that says you don't like blowjobs. And she, and she took it as like this offense. She was like, you know, leave me alone. People are always picking on me. It's not, they just don't want guys to date me. So that was kind of great because it was like, ooh, I made a connection there. Like, they're, like I'm breaking through. Wow. Um, but yeah, I, that's definitely a, a great example of the kind of stuff you find in the book, as well as, you know, very serious fanboy stuff about album release dates, um, chart positions. Yeah. Um, anything about her work is definitely prioritized. And I think as a fan, because I remember seeing this book at Tower Records and thinking like, especially with the the waxing thing, right? So if you're going to include that, if I'm a fan, I'm like, oh, if you know that, you're going to know a lot more. So as long as I can make sure that it's not just sensationalism type of stuff and I can peruse the book and say like, oh, this has got real legit information. This is really coming from a, a real fan who who did the the research and the work to actually put this all together. I just find it, uh, it, it it shows like your dedication as a fan, but also as someone that that puts in a lot of effort. So it's it's very reminiscent of kind of like the uh, Madonna way of working. You know, working really hard, going through every single detail that you can get to. Because I mean, at the end of the day, I mean, yeah, it's great to read about when an album was released or single and how it charted and everything. But honestly you love to hear fun stuff like that because it's very reminiscent of what you might read in one of the icon publications, which was the the fan right. club magazine. Um, so it's kind of like you, you kind of got this whole book of, of like tidbit information that you may have found like in an icon or you may have found in a, a magazine article, or you may have heard her say in an interview. So I think it's, it's very comprehensive in that sense. And that's why I feel like it is a true fan guide for fans written by fans or a fan yeah it's yeah i mean madonna was really late to the fan club game she did have a sort of a quasi fan club early on in in the in the 80s but it wasn't it really wasn't set up well and you know the right. stuff that came from that was, was really cool to own now because it was kind of rare um but you know we first started out with like you know mlc which was unofficial they had their own fan fanzine in Canada and they were really on top of it and then came um, like a fanzine which turned into yep. um, icon which was amazing but yeah I wrote I the way I decided to the way I decided to kind of approach it is it's kind of like me communicating with it's my way of communicating with fans because I don't like Madonna biographies I don't I haven't really liked any of them because they like a lot of biographies do but I guess I know so much about the subject they, they, they take the facts and they weave the narrative that they want it to be. Exactly. You can, yeah. you can write her narrative as, you know, someone who slept her way to the top or someone who's really hardworking or someone who was lucky or someone who was poor when they were got to Times Square. Like there's just, you, you start with these kind of tropes and then you, 
you stick with it and you, you create your narrative that you want to tell, which I think is what she's so annoyed with because it, it's, it's more than just interpretive. It's, it's now becoming like documentary, like this is what happened. And she presents that. Not that I think she would love my book either, but when I do it, I, I do have all my own interpretations, I have lots of little jokes and nothing. I don't, I don't think I have anything disrespectful, but I have, you know, some people have said, some people think I'm crazy blind fan, but other fans who are actual fans say, you know, that I'm not a blind fan because I, I do put in my own opinions about what was good, what was bad, what worked, what didn't. But what I do that's, I think, different from a standard biographer is I also include all of the facts and all of the sources and all the resources. So even if you're like, I cannot believe he doesn't think Bedtime Stories is one of her best albums, you can then use my book to find all these other resources of other people talking about bedtime stories. Yeah. So it is, it's very much like a fan network, uh, analog fan network. So you mentioned a little bit of how you got your facts. How else do you go about getting all the facts? Cause I know either, you know, a lot of time has passed. So perhaps you have now verified a fact that, wasn't really true or perhaps it was you found out something that was just revealed to fans 30 years later after it happened so how do you go about collecting all of that information it seems like a very uh hard task to do it's no longer from my memory because i've had experiences where i see something and i think i've never seen this picture before and then i look around and Oh, I do. I, I own this picture. This is in my book. <laughs> you know, like I, I have that all the time. Where I'm not, so I'm not as sharp as I used to be. It used to be that I, I anything Madonna, I just knew. I could look mm-hmm. at a poster and be like, Oh, I know who shot that. That's her Brits, not Bruce Weber. And now it's a little. There's times when I have to just really sort of double check. So, what I'll say is, when I did the first update, which was exponentially harder because it was 20 years since mm-hmm. the first one, yeah. and that basically her whole career. You know, like a huge part of her career. So. That one was really hard because I, I had to go through all my, I had like 2,000 magazines to go through one by one. Not all of it is digitized. Most of it isn't. Um, and then I had to go all through the internet, you know, and, and searching for topics that were already in my book, thinking about what topics could be in the book, what was new. Each time she had a new album, that would lead me down a bunch of different paths, you know, for potential entries and collaborator entries. And so it was much easier it was digital then, you know, when I did this, the first big update, if I'm, if I'm going to look at magazines, I try to get them all at once and just do that first, go through each magazine, make all the lists of the things I'm going to use, all the references, and then, then move on and, and follow up on each of these and kind of fluff them up with things that I'm finding on the internet. I get a lot of information from other fans. I mean, people would write me about the book and say, you got the chart entry wrong on this. Uh, there were a lot of errors in the first book and I fixed them in the second book. Second book came out. I made some errors. Yeah. I did an immediate update, which doesn't all people don't always count it as like an update, but it was, I did an update one year later where I incorporated rebel heart and fixed all the errors. And it was pretty clean and it stayed clean for six years without a lot of complaints about anything wrong. Yeah. Um, so when I did this update, I didn't do this religiously, but over, the, over time, I was making lists in like a little Word document. Oh, this happened today. 
you know, she, oh, she performed for Hillary Clinton. That was one of the first things that happened after my last update. Um, but then I noticed that when I did do this update and I started thinking like, well, there are things that are already established in the book. Like I'm always going to write about a live performance. I'm always going to write about any concert tour, any album, any single. So when I started doing that, I was really amazed how much she's done in six years compared to what she used to do. It's I mean, crazy. there were periods where she was kind of dormant compared to the fact that in the last six years, I don't remember how many like how many specific live performances there were, but it was over 10. It was like, oh, she did Hillary Clinton. She was at Stonewall. She was, mm -hmm. she did busking on the street. You know, it's like, there's just been so many. Um, so I'm already keeping a list for the next update, even though I know I have no <laughs> plans. I'm telling you, I have no plans to do it for many years. Um, I've already said that it'll be updated when she dies or I do, but I'm still keeping that list just in case because there's just so many things you'll forget. I mean, this is this book is updated through September 1st of this year. I was going to ask you that. At what point do you say, okay, I, I can't, I just cannot, I have to stop, right? I have to draw the line and I have to <laughs> go. Like, how many times has it happened where you said, okay, I'm going to stop here, but then something else happens. And you're like, okay, well, wait, I'm going to stop here. Yeah, you should ask my designer, Anthony Combs, because <laughs> he he likes to say that he's paid one cent on the hour because, you know, there were several times when the book was basically ready to go. And because I was also waiting on some printing stuff and some questions, mm -hmm. she did something. She did a thing. Yeah. And I was like, I got to add this, you know, or somebody famous who was in the book died and have to put their birth, their death date or you know, I mean, just look since, just think of the things she's done since September 1st. It's only been like, what, two and a half weeks. I'm like, okay, we got a red wig. We've got Tom Ford. We've got Tokisha. She's kissing Tokisha. You know, that there's all these entries that relate to these things. You know, she's mm -hmm. appearing with Lourdes. Lourdes has a song. You know, there's just so many things that have happened in the last two and a half weeks. But yeah, I think you can't, I don't think you can go anywhere else and find a book about a celebrity that's, that you're purchasing that's up to date to within the same month you're it's released. Yeah. So I think I'm proud of that. But yeah, I'm keeping a list just in case. Well, let me ask you this. So when you did this back in 95, you know, the internet really wasn't a thing. It was very, very much in its infancy. And since then, which of course it makes sense to have a, a print edition come out since then, you know, we live our lives on the internet now. Like, right. We barely interact in real life anymore. Even now we're, we're sitting here having a conversation online. So, you know, with print versus digital and of course the way like books and publications have, have changed over the years, why still do it? Why still try to keep up with a print edition of this versus like digital? It's really the audience. The audience, her audience is older and we do tend to like physical objects. It's, mm -hmm. it's kind of the same. It's actually the same sort of mentality of like, why have a record store day? And why does why is Madonna releasing everybody on vinyl in 2022? It's because her fans want that. And I, right. I don't doubt that some of the younger artists, they probably do the same thing. They probably have special releases. There's no way it can be as popular because at least percentage wise, because I just feel like 
people around my age who've been with Madonna as long as I have, we still like books. Um, we still like to be able to hold something. We like vinyl. Um, we like promotional items. We like autographed items. Like these are mm-hmm. things that are less exciting. Today, people would always rather have a picture with. You want to have a picture with Madonna more than you want her autograph. Right. And and yet her autograph is worth more because all these old people want it. <laughs> we all want it. <laughs> um, so that's why I think I think it really makes sense. And the other thing is, Whenever you have you're writing about a topic that says, you know, popular, mass popular as Madonna, and who has a lot of fans, like crazy fans, in a good sense, um, they will steal it. So if I put it out, if I put it out as digitally in any format that could possibly be quickly copied, mm-hmm. it will be bootlegged and it will be sold, and that bothers me because it's like you go through all this work and it's like can't you just buy the book? You know, can't you right. just buy the object? And I would, but to be honest, I really would do, I would do one. Like last time I did this, I had plans to, I mean, do it as a paperback, sell the book for a year. So you get all the sales you're going to get mm-hmm. and then make it available digitally. Cause that way everyone's happy. And then if someone decides, Oh, I'm going to steal it. It's much less of a painful because you've already sold some copies and no reason to be greedy. Well, I did that and I looked into it and it, and it couldn't be done. It was too big. I use mm. Ingram Spark and the size of the book was too much. They wouldn't allow it. So I had to cancel it. So I never announced it, but I started the process and it just didn't work. So that's, that's the really practical reason why I don't do it. As I just, I can't. It's a lot. I can't do it. It's too big. I do see all the time, like I get these notice, you know, of course I have a Google search set up for Encyclopedia Madonica and I get notices all the time for like illegal downloads and stuff. So I don't know if it exists as a PDF, the old book somewhere, but it's so impossible to track those down, you know? Yeah. The original one did, didn't you do that with the last edition? Didn't you sell it as like you buy the second edition and then you get a digital download of the, the first edition? Did I, that sounds weird. Maybe. Because I would have had to. Maybe I'm making it up in my no, head. But that or maybe right. I illegally no, downloaded that's, that's the first edition. No, that's beginning to sound right. Maybe that was with, because I used um, Kickstarter. Yes. Yep. And I think that might have been possible. And the only thing I can think of is that, you know, I, th- I, think, that, I think you're right. Because when I was updating the book, you know, it's such hell to take a, an old book and retype it, which I did do once, mm-hmm. by the way. And... I, you can send these in, you know, for services where they can scan it and it'll come in a Word document. So you, you just have to make sure that there's not, you have to read it. It's not going to be exact. Um, a lot of special characters are lost. I did do yeah. that. And I think that might be what I did because at this point, the 1995 book, if you want to, if you want to like PDF it, I'm not going to say anything about it. You know, there's, right. it's so different. It's actually so, um, it just, it looks embryonic compared to what i ended up with because it's it seemed so cool at the time it really did it really felt it's like still a, cool it's, it's still cool even i think it's like a time. zine i think it thank you i think it looks like a zine yeah and didn't they didn't icon sell it wasn't it in their they store, wrote about it like on there they wrote yeah. about it and they um they met so they say they gave me a mention i've never had official it's i've never had like an official you know sponsorship with madonna which i understand because it is public yeah. opinions um 
anything that, that she can't personally sign off on, she's not going to endorse, um, which is fair. And I wouldn't want her to, I wouldn't want to enter into that arrangement because she would never sign off on it. <laughs> but what long. was that like? What was that like to like see you get recognized by officially by Madonna? That was amazing. I, I felt like I was breaking through and it, it was a rush. The most exciting thing was she signed the book to me. I have it. Oh. I have a, the book cover signed. She signed it to Matthew. And I, I remember I was told by Liz Rosenberg and Christine Wolf at Warner Brothers, they said that they were going to do this. So what they said was sign a copy of the book to Madonna and send us a clean copy and we'll have her sign it to you. And I just thought, this is the greatest thing in the world. You know, like I right? couldn't, at that point, I wasn't even imagining meeting Madonna. I was just like, wow, she's going to sign my book. That's such an endorsement. I sent it and never got it. And I was like, oh, you know, this is one of those things. I'm never going to get this. A year later, uh, Liz Rosenberg's really cool assistant, I think her name was Johanna. She mm-hmm. wrote me and said, oh, my gosh, we were cleaning the office. We found this under something. We're so sorry. Here it is. And it came in the mail with no warning. And it was this beautiful autographed you know, copy of my book. So wow. that was that was all the endorsement I really needed. That's awesome. But you've met her since, right? I did. I'm, well, I, I, I interviewed her on a press line. And then I've kind of built my way up. I interviewed her on a press line. <laughs> and then I, what was next? I got, a, I got invited to be part of a, a gay press roundtable for WE. So there were 11 journalists around a very small table. And Madonna was seated at the front. I got there first. I looked for the biggest chair and I sat next to it. So I was able to sit knee to knee with her. So forget about the rest. I was knee to knee with her. She looked amazing and was in an amazing outfit. And she was very nice. She came in and gave each person a handshake and eye contact. I'm Madonna. What's your name? What's your name? What's your name? And so gave us all our moment. And then she was perfectly fun during the interview. I asked the first question. I asked the last question. And I was able to kind of make a comment about her jewelry because she was wearing a locket that had her children's initials i believe oh and so she was very personable but it was so maddening because they wouldn't take pictures Uh. and i was like what's the point she looks she's never going to look better than this this is the best she looks flawless and when was this this was 2012 i guess 2012 okay so then she was doing that um macy's presentation and for truth or dare cologne. And at this point, I, I just said to Liz Rosenberg, I was like, I'm sorry to ask, but I've, you know, I've never gotten a picture with her. Is there any way I could get a picture on the line? Cause I was going to be on the press line. Mm-hmm. And she said, yeah, we'll make that happen. We're going to put you between the photographers and the, you know, the, the print press and the media. And we'll do a real quick photo. And I was dying thinking this is never going to happen. And I'm going to be so depressed. So she arrived she came closer and closer and I'm dying. And she got to me and Liz said, Madonna, you know, Matthew, <laughs> which she doesn't, of course, <laughs> but you know, Matthew, we're going to do a photo. And so she was kind of perplexed and she looked at me, you know, we're, I'm behind like a, more than a rope, like more like a little 
a little, you know, blockade. And she said, um, not in that light. And Ooh. I just thought, it's over. I'm not getting this picture. And I'm going to be <laughs> devastated. And she said, you come over here. So there was somebody had a little stool. I stepped, a photographer had their stool. I stepped on the stool, climbed, clambered over this blockade. And I stood next to her and again, looked, she looks just amazing. And while they're preparing the photo, she kind of leaned next to me and said, so what makes, what makes you so lucky? Ooh. And I said, well, and then, you know, there's so many things I could say, and you don't want to say mm-hmm. the wrong thing. And then she's like, so I said, well, I've been a fan of yours for a very long time and you'll just have to ask Liz. And she said, okay. And gave me the best picture. I think I have the best picture with Madonna that I ever could have dreamed of. I, I, in fact, it's much fun. Of course, I would get a picture with her again. But I, once that happened, I just kind of exhaled because now I realize yeah. any situation I'm in and she's around, I already have an amazing picture that will never look as good as this. So I don't have to be so freaked out. So I love that. That Talk about, that was like Liz Rosemont's called the validator. That was validation. Yeah. That is amazing. That's probably like the best. I, I, it sounds like it's the best thing that could have happened. In, it's the in best outcome. The, yeah. <laughs> the best outcome of putting this book together and working your way up to that position and then getting just like recognized. It wasn't, it wasn't like a, a, a pity photo. It wasn't like, right. you know, it, it was like, we know Liz knew who you were, knows, knows who you are and did this for you it sounds like magical yeah i I will say like a friend of mine um he came to that the disco-rama i think it's called disco-rama no disco oasis um roller skating thing that she just did we were all skating with her and he actually got a great picture because he's skating in front of her and he's taking a, a selfie over his kind of over his shoulder and she noticed and gave him the finger with like this mischievous look and that's also i think that's an alternate amazing photo yeah. to have with her if you're gonna get burned that's a good you know, one why not get burned by madonna yeah it's like i always feel like if you approach her on the street or something you know she's gonna shoot you down mm-hmm. but that's also part of the fun i did that with lauren bacall i saw lauren bacall at a play on broadway leaving and i knew she never did this so i asked her very nicely for a photo and she was like no and that's what i was looking for <laughs> <laughs> so I was like happy. Fuck off. Right. Yeah. I was happy with it. You'd be yeah. sad if it was like Cindy Lauper or like someone you expect to be nice yeah. and to be user friendly. You'd be like, oh shit. Yeah. I hate her. I hate her. You know, but with Lauren Bacall, it was like, yes. Destroy <laughs> me. <laughs> and I, I would think it was it would be the same with Madonna. I I would never I don't think I would could ever could go up to Madonna and say, Can I get a picture? So I think it happened to you in a very natural environment where Madonna expected it. So it's not it's not as if Madonna's gonna say, No like to your been, face. It would she would have had to have been in a very bad mood to say no. Yeah. Um and she was in a great yeah, mood. Everything that, was going well. That sounds amazing. And I'm glad you got the opportunity to do that. So see, um, I'm just dispelling rumors. Madonna can be nice. I'm sure she is nice. I I think she just, you know, is fed up <laughs> with the world, especially if she's busy. You know, she yes. she doesn't have time for that. If if it, you know, took a year for you to get your signed copy back, she's very busy. She's and like you said, these past six years, she has just been 
doing things on top of doing things. Not everyone likes what she's doing, but she's still doing it and she's still she's still keeping her name in lights. It's it's not going anywhere. Yeah, and part of it is if you if you're a star, especially a controversial star, if you're posing for a picture with somebody or giving them an autograph, there's no guarantee that person even likes you. Right. Or is even going to like the autograph could be turned around on eBay and the picture could be mm-hmm. used to say like, "Oh, something negative." You know, which exactly. has happened. Yeah. Um, so you do you have mentioned Liz Rosenberg. You interviewed for her. I spoke to her once on the phone when I was like 14 or 15 and Tell she me, essentially yelled at me. What um, happened? I I was very naive, 14, 15 years old. Erotica had come out. They announced a tour, but they didn't say uh, anything really about it. I think the only shows that we had were the London dates at that time. Um, and so I called up 411 and I said, I like the number to Maverick Records. And I read off the address that was on the back of the CD. They dialed the number for me, put me right through. And the person answers the phone, receptionist at Maverick Records. And I was like, yes, I'd like to speak to Madonna, please. <laughs> I love it. And, and they're like, um, wh- what are you... What is this for? What are you calling for? And I was like, I, I'm trying to find out information about a tour. They're like, oh, you need to talk to her publicist. Here's the number. Here's her number and here's her name. So I literally direct dialed Liz Rosenberg's number. And and then, you know, she answered the phone. And I'm like, yeah, I'm trying to find out information. She goes, we don't know yet. We don't know. We just have London dates right now. I was like, well, do you know if she's going to do like DC? I live in Richmond, Virginia, so DC is the closest. She goes, do you know? Do you know? She goes, we don't know. You'll have to just call me back in a week and and I'll let you know. Um, and I was too scared to call her again. So I got my stepmom to call her back <laughs> to oh find out. And at the time, it was like a week later. It's it's still never panned out because, you know, she only did what three dates in the US um, or three cities in the US. And so I never got to see her. That w- that would have been my first opportunity to see her, uh, but she didn't come really anywhere close. I mean, I guess she came to she went to Philadelphia, but um, that wasn't really an option at the Super time. Limited, yeah, yeah. Not as a fourteen or fifteen year old. My none of my parents or step parents were going to drive to Philadelphia. They're not going to drive past DC to take me to a concert. Um, so that was I mean, it. Was fun thinking back because. I never really knew who Liz Rosenberg was until like later in life, but I always remembered the name and I remember, um, I, I wish I still had it, but I had written down her name and her phone number and I had it, that for a while, but I misplaced you know, it. And I had a similar, I had a similar first encounter with Liz, very similar because I had tick. I, I camped out or I went very, very early, like kind of overnight to get tickets for blind ambition in Chicago because I was going to school there. I got eighth row. And for some reason, I also had tickets for another night that were just bad, just to have. Yeah. So before, so the night that the concert opened, the first show, my friend and I, this wasn't in the Chicago proper. It was in the suburbs of Rosemont Horizon. So my friend and I were like, let's take a bus and go out there and look at it just so we know what we're getting into. So we literally traveled out to the stadium just to walk around the perimeter, see if we could see merchandise, see mm-hmm. who was going, what people looked like. Of course, did I take pictures? No, I didn't even think of it. 
And as we walked all around to the back, there's Liz Rosenberg sitting in a chair next to like a door, like a back entrance. Her and me. And you knew her? At the I time, knew like her on you knew site. who she was. I knew her on site because I already had so many pictures and things that had her in them. So I knew exactly it was her. And they walked up and I said, are you Liz Rosenberg? And she said, yes. And I said, can I have your autograph? And she said, mine? No. <laughs> so I was like, okay, thank you. So I was like, oh, she's mean. But I also, I think it's funny because she was so nice when I, when I was writing the book. She, mm-hmm. she couldn't help because they didn't know what was going to be in the book. And they wanted to see it before. They wanted to see it once it came out. Like, But she was very responsive when I was writing it. And she was intrigued that a, a supposedly a fan was writing this book. And as I got, I've gotten to know her over the years, she's so nice, so yeah. funny, such a good time, sensible, but she's no nonsense. And when she's doing her job, you know, sometimes you have to be firm about stuff because, yeah. you know, you're never going to get ahead, if, especially in that kind of a job when you're a gatekeeper. You're never going to get ahead by just being a pushover or even, or even, or even exposing yourself as having a little give if you give give them an inch they will take madonna yeah so exactly she so she's very you know tough about that but more so she's also a very private person and even when i met her later when i was doing a teen magazine and she had she had a, a french artist name i think slimmy and she brought him to my office and i was like this is insane who cares about this artist i just care about liz rosenberg's coming to my office <laughs> and so we did the whole thing with slimmy and pictures and all that and i said well of course i'm gonna have a picture with you obviously because like why wouldn't i yeah and she was like no i don't do that i don't do this is we're very friendly at this point she said no 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 i don't do pictures and i said and i was thinking fast and i said why do you dress so cute like this if you don't want to have a picture taken of it and she was like okay that's a good answer and she i got a great picture with her but i guess what i'm saying is it speaks to the fact that She's never been the kind of person who, even though she's around Madonna, Stevie Nicks, Michael Bublé, um, so many big artists, she's never been someone who wants the spotlight. She's very private. She's very humble. And so she doesn't love taking pictures with fans. She doesn't like, so of course, that made sense. I thought about that right away. Yeah. That's why she wouldn't, also why she wouldn't sign my autograph is it's not about her. Of course, also because I could have used it and said, look, Liz Rosenberg says I can go backstage. Yeah. Um, but she's just a great person, and and talking with her was, it was really I I I call it a parallel to like if I ever get to interview Madonna, personally like extensively, it it was a real thrill for me because she doesn't do it. She doesn't talk about Madonna at length. She did it for the New York Times in 1992, in the erotica sex book era, and that was an article that I was extremely obsessed with because it showed her office. She had great stuff in there <laughs> and she was quite candid. You know, I was surprised that she was very candid about, she didn't like the sex book that much and she was defending other things. And, you know, she was, she was great. So when she opened up and when I wrote her, she said immediately, I'd love to. And I just couldn't believe it. And so we talked for, I don't know, a couple of hours and it, i used most of it. It's a really long part of the book. Um, and she just reveals a lot of things about her perspective of what it was like to be on the other side of yeah, the truth or dare, blonde ambition, Toronto moment, what that was really like. Was anything staged in truth or dare? She was like, no, believe me, this is the real thing. 
what it was like going with Madonna on early club dates and like no one knew who she was. It was like two in the morning and they would all just gather around Madonna and she would change on the dance floor to go before she went onto the stage. Oh, wow. um, just all these wonderful tidbits about like, I basically hit every career moment and era to try to get something out of her about those, those eras. Of course, I asked her about being sort of impersonated on SNL, which she loved because she has a great sense of humor. And I asked her about not working for Madonna anymore, which would seem so impossible for a fan and how that feels. And she was very forthcoming and, and it was just a great conversation and it made the whole book worthwhile for me. That's, that's, I cannot wait to read it. I'm excited. It was a better answer than no. The first answer from <laughs> her was no. The second answer, you know, 30 years later was, of course. <laughs> I loved that's it. That's awesome. What is she doing? Is she retired now? She's retired from working with Madonna, but she does still oversee other artists. I don't know to exactly okay. to what capacity, but I know she's still very instrumental with uh, Michael Bublé. Hmm. Yeah. I, I mean, I could, I definitely see the, as, as you get older and as Madonna's icon status has sustained as long as it has, I can imagine that's just a lot to keep up with as someone who just wants to have more of a private life. Yeah. I mean, um, and she, so Michael Bublé just... makes sense because I feel like Michael Bublé isn't, you know, um, kissing Takasha at a fashion awards where you're going to have to speak about that, where I feel like Liz Rosenberg is probably just like, give me someone that I don't have to like defend <laughs> to the Hills. It's she it's, has, she did a great job over all these years. Um, but I can imagine just being like, I'm glad I don't have to defend, like have to constantly defend someone who just wants to live their life. It's, it's like going from punk rock to easy listening. Yeah, and not that her job is easy, but it's much smoother. I mean, she, you know, she was there getting, along with getting, probably, deluged by questions like the one that you had about just little stuff. She also had to deal with people calling up in the '90s and saying, "Does Madonna have AIDS?" And oh gosh, you know, yeah. why did Madonna say this? Why did she do this? Is she a lesbian? Um, is she getting divorced? Was she physically assaulted? You know, I'm just trying to think of all that. There are just so many. You know, asking about Lady Gaga, asking about um, you know, Sinead O'Connor. I mean, like everything, like diva battles. Probably she was asked all the time about quotes other people made about Madonna. Does Madonna mm -hmm. want to respond to what Mariah Carey said? You know, just it's just a constant tumult. And and one interesting part of the interview that really was eye-opening to me was she described what really happened on the David Letterman show that was such a controversy. Because I asked her, I was like, well, how did you weather that? Because an article was written saying Madonna's career was over. There was an illustration mm -hmm. of Madonna yeah. blowing up. And, you know, Liz Rosenberg said, honestly, and she's very forthcoming about it. She said, we had no idea. That's how it was playing. They thought it was funny. The, the Letterman people thought it was funny. They praised mm -hmm. her and they said, we'll have her back anytime. We can't wait to have her back. And then, then they woke up to these tabloid headlines about how it was the worst thing in the world. I didn't like it. I remember I saw it and I was like, I didn't, I mean, I, I, I didn't feel that she had kind of put him in his place. I felt like she pooped on his desk. <laughs> you know, like I felt she, she definitely smacked him down, but it, it didn't feel like she owned him. It felt kind of messy. And I was kind of like, Oh, I don't like this. 
and then I was sad that people hated it a lot more than I did. But what I find really interesting is over the years, that's taken on an iconic status and that most fans today think it's hilarious and love it. And it's definitely not the way that I felt at the time. So if you stick around long enough, these things come back. Look, look, look at erotica. Yeah. That's one of probably if you polled her fans, it's probably, I mean, it is, it's going to, it would be in the top three of their favorite albums. Yeah. At the time, not so Definitely. much. Yeah. And I just remember on the David Letterman interview thinking like, when is she going to talk about I'll Remember? Because <laughs> right. that was the song that had just come out. And I was like, I want to hear her talk about that. <laughs> Can you imagine? And she like, didn't. Just I'll went nowhere. Versus what we got. It's like, wow. It was like a whole different person. <laughs> right. <laughs> um, well, you also interviewed S- Susan Seidelman, the yes. director of Desperately Seeking Susan. What was that like? Well, you know, I'm, I, of course I started watching, I came to Desperately Seeking Susan for Madonna, but I stayed for everything else because Madonna is wonderful in it. She's perfectly cast. She acts well, she's funny and she looks, she's the epitome of cool. You can't top her. But mm-hmm. even if you somehow removed her, the movie is so perfect. It's my favorite Madonna thing ever because of that. I just love the movie. So I asked Susan Seidelman, I, I wanted to interview her for the, the update. And she said no, because I think because at that time, it was an anniversary of Susan. So she, mm. she had just done a bunch of like, you know, big time yeah. interviews with like the New York Times or New Yorker or New York. And so she probably thought, oh, I'm not going to do an interview and talk about this again for a book. She was nice, but she just said no. So I asked her again this time and she was, she asked me to send her the book and she loved it. So I sent her the, you know, the, the most recent update. Oh, wow. She liked what I wrote. She was impressed. And so we, we did the interview. She's very down to earth. She was very open hearted. You know, she, she loves her movie too. You know, she's proud of it. And we talked about a lot of wide ranging things. We talked about Madonna, of course, who she still praises and, you know, says was wonderful in it. And, um, I even asked her something like, did you ever regret casting Madonna? And she, it was, she, had, she reacted almost like I was asking a nonsensical question. She was like, no, of course not. And, you know, she, of course, it brought so much to the movie. We, you know, it, it gave it so much attention and allowed people to see how good it was in all the right. other departments, too. But she also just said she was very easy to work with and professional and um, earnest. I mean, Madonna yeah. came in. One thing I didn't really fully realize was that when other people were... Uh, reading for other parts. She'd already been cast. Madonna came in and read with them. She was oh, fine wow. coming in and reading with them. And when I found that out, I said, what happened? Were those filmed? And she said, oh, yeah, I have videos somewhere. They're probably warped. I have a video of, of she said, I have a video of Madonna and Bruce Willis making out because Bruce Willis was the runner up for Jimmy. Oh, my gosh. After Robert Joy. Wow. And I said, you need to find that and have that restored and preserved like that's historical that's an important the movie is already it's it's a it's a piece of history they just played it at the museum of the city of new york it's it's historically important it's also wildly entertaining it's got famous people galore and to know that bruce willis was almost in it and in fact because bruce was was not in it he ended up being the bartender at the rap party and he quit new york (laughs) because he was like fed up with new york Went to L.A. and promptly got cast as a star of Moonlighting. So the next wow. time he saw Susan Seidelman in L.A., he said thank you 
thank you for not casting me in that movie because look what happened. You know, so it's it's a great story yeah. of how. You know, I'm not a really big fan of how things are meant to be, but I think yeah. it's. Um, you know, I'm not like Madonna. I don't think that if you put something out into the universe, it'll just happen. <laughs> it has for her, um, but I love the idea of of not giving up, and he didn't give up. Right. And he ended up having a much better career, I think, than he would have any, anyway. But the, what I did do is I was able to get her to send me some stills of some of the other audition, you know, videos. So they've never, never been seen. I'm waiting. I'm sure as soon as the first copy hits someone's hands, it's going on Instagram. But okay, so all, they're in the book. I, they're in the book. I have two page spread of at least a two page spread of all of the, of these outtakes of Madonna reading with these other actors. And what's interesting is, well, she's wearing her, the finals shirt that she wore in Japan. It's kind of a red and green shirt. Mm-hmm. She also wore it in like a Virgin video. And she's, you know, <clears throat> she, she's not like all done up, but she looks just naturally stunning. And she's reading with some unknown guys who I couldn't figure out who they were. But she's also reading with Bruce Davison, who ended up being an Oscar nominee for Longtime Companion. He was one of the runners-up for Gary Glass. So I love seeing stuff like that. I think it's um, it just as a fan as and as a fan of fandom, I yeah. it blows me away that there are so many things that we have never seen, and it, and it makes me realize that if probably until the day I die, there are going to be things coming out that are going to make me think. How have I never seen this? How did this, how did somebody sit on this? You know, and it right. happens, it's been happening more and more over the past five or 10 years. Yeah. People are coming forward. Here's my picture with Madonna. Oh yeah. It was on the set of this, you know, movie. No one's ever seen this before. Yeah. So many unseen contact sheets, you know, unseen well, magazines. Um, I am waiting for them to find that Blonde Ambition tour footage that was filmed for truth or dare. I don't know they what keep the saying story. that it, they keep saying Alec has said at one time, because Miramax changed hands so many times, things got moved to different warehouses. So they don't have any of the additional footage that was made for the movie. And then someone asked Madonna during Instagram live about the live performance from truth or dare. And her just response is like, all we have is what's in the movie. Um, or she says that's all that exists, but I don't believe that's all that exists because well, there are edited versions in the movie too, right? She's the last person to right. rely on for any kind <laughs> of a housekeeping detail because yeah. you know she wouldn't know. She really wouldn't know the answer to that definitively because why should she? She's doing other stuff. Yeah. Um, but I, I, I have heard that that was all destroyed. I've heard that it's lost. Oh. I, but also someone said that, and I, I didn't, follow up on this but someone mentioned that we did get a glimpse of her warehouse did you do you remember this footage that yes where there was like a ponytail and a bag on the floor it's like are you kidding me um, yeah but i believe oh and um sorry i didn't mean to interrupt what? but the um the uh john paul gutier bustier or the the cone bra was brought out for the pride performance that we saw Yes. And it was the actual one that was worn Insane, by one right? of the, the background dancers from Like a Virgin. Yeah. And I think in that footage, someone mentioned that you could see boxes that were marked Truth or Dare mm-hmm. or Blonde Ambition. Someone was thinking that they might exist. I don't think they're gone. I mean, I know that a lot of people, it's disheartening how many people throw things away that the rest of us would find so amazing and think is yeah. 
think of as historical and as important. I'm learning that. I'm doing this, I think, really cool oral history with um, the people who made this, the gay magazine Mandate, which was one of the first kind of gay magazine with male nudes and it had a lot of culture in it. And I used to work there. And so I'm doing a, a, uh, an oral history of it because it's fascinating how they, they did this during a time when it was had just been illegal and and you know they were kind of reinventing the wheel. They were reinventing the wheel with this. And a lot of the photographers I speak to are like, oh, I threw away all my gay photos. Their original wow. negatives are gone, and they are they're not just porn. Like some of them are stunning photography yeah. of famous like iconic people like Al Parker or whatever, like people that, you know, it's priceless. And, and because at the time it was just ingrained in your mind that it's gay, it's kind of secondary, right. second rights, you know, get rid of it. And I think with Madonna, one thing I'm really, I was really pleasantly surprised about is when she did finally reveal that she had that archive. And I remember she, they showed her like opening a box and it was like, it had a bunch of different things in it, carefully arranged. I think there might've been a hat. And then you start seeing like Lola wearing like, oh, here's my sunglasses from 1985, pair of shorts. And then I realized she's actually kept a lot of stuff for someone who's yeah. not sentimental. She, maybe she's not sentimental, but maybe she thinks of it in a different way. She's kept a lot of her stage-worn costumes and a lot of her clothing and jewelry. She's mm-hmm. got it. So that's yeah. going to be an, a touring exhibition at one point I'm sure we'll get with her amazing stuff. And I'm just curious about like all these things that are sold over and over again at auction. I wonder when, when she does finally have an exhibition of this nature, which I can only imagine will happen, if we'll suddenly realize, oh, there's the real one, <laughs> you know, yeah. she has the real one, or maybe there's more than one copy. Um, I'm curious to know if she has a copy, her original original copy of her um, Susan jacket, because two exist that we know of, right. One is definitely Rosanna's. One is probably, was probably one of Madonna's. And yeah. I just wonder if she kept it because somebody that I spoke to said she didn't really like that jacket. The jacket. She didn't like the style. It wasn't her thing. So I wondered if she would not keep it for that reason. But that's, I think that's the most valuable of all of her costumes that yeah, I've ever it. seen. I, mean, I actually have a, a shirt that is a replica the, it's like a t-shirt but it's a replica of the back of the jacket like on the front of the shirt it's so but classic someone sees it and says oh i like your shirt i was like thanks you used to belong to Jimi hendrix i say that to everybody do they get it some people do especially like when it's madonna fans they get it but um like last night i was uh at my um rehearsal for the show i'm doing and someone saw it and, and i was like thanks you used to belong to Jimi hendrix and I was like, sorry, that's a Madonna reference. Here, let me explain it to you. So I went into the whole plot of Desperately Seeking Susan. Who is Jimi Hendrix? Who is Madonna? <laughs> um, well, the thing is, there's such a there's such a cottage industry in fake clothing, you know, worn by... it's so That movie captured that moment perfectly because, yeah. I mean, if you go on eBay now, so much of it is fake, 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 fake. And yeah. you can't prove it, but you can sort of prove it. I mean, you can sort of reason it out and think, you know, why do you have a hundred costumes worn by all these different people? Why isn't there a picture of them wearing it? Why is the, why is the clasp different? And you have to really be careful when you're buying original stuff and autographs are, it's almost like you have to conduct a seance. You don't even know. There's no way to know for sure. You have I to know. be very careful. That's why I don't buy them because it's like, unless I've gotten it directly from them, I'm not going to, I'm not going to spend money on this. 
I want you to tell me more about like the unreleased pictures, pictures we've never seen. You just mentioned that, you know, um, some of her readings that she was doing for Desperately Seeking Susan, but of course the cover of the book. Um, and I know the, even like the format of the book, what's different, what looks different, what can we expect when we look through here? Are we going to see, um, still some of the old pictures? Are we going to see all new pictures? What's it going to be like? Yeah, the way I approached it is it's basically, it's the same book. I didn't I didn't get rid of anything. I right. added entry by entry so that each okay. entry is fattened up. So there are some new pictures in each entry as you go through it. Um, I, anything that happened since the last book that has photos that I took, I went, I've been to a lot of events and I take pictures that are pretty good. So I was able to add, you know, dozens of those so that we have um, her Terminal 5 performance is well represented, uh, Stonewall, all those things. Um, I got some nice pictures from Liz, some personal photos oh, of cool. Liz with Madonna. Um, I added a couple of magazine covers that are, I think, pretty rare. I've got a signed copy of Long Island's Nightlife, um, things like that. I like the old stuff. Nice. The old stuff is what impresses me. It is very visual. As you flip through it, there's pictures on every page, and it's very colorful. But I don't ever want anyone to think it's supposed to be like a photography book. It's, it's right. really meant to yeah. be a catalog and a reference. Um, yeah. And that's the why I use the paper I use. And that's why I, you know, that's why that Anthony Combs, you know, laid it out. I think the most exciting thing is really the cover. I mean, I've been working on this for seven years trying to get this, not this picture, but a picture from this photographer because I became, I tracked him down. I became aware of who the, the photographer was, um, you know, who worked on Borderline. Yeah. And I had the details about the fact that he'd, he'd done this mini shoot with Madonna within that week to be used in the video. And then you see in the video, you see like one picture is kind of a prop that's thrown down. And yep. I, know, I know who owns that, by the way, not me. And <laughs> it will be one day. And, um, and then you see like the gloss cover, which from, from what I've heard from everyone no longer exists. The prop mm. was discarded, supposedly, but... You never know. Mm-hmm. Somebody might have grabbed that. It's cute. And and so I, I, I tracked him down and he was really reluctant. He really didn't. He said, no, I don't. I prefer to keep those unpublished. And I was like, why? And he didn't. He wouldn't tell me. He just didn't want them published. So I assumed it had to do with maybe he's worried about rights. Maybe he yeah. didn't sign something, whatever, something like that. But it's not the case. You know, I know it's not the case. And, and then I tried to tell him like so many other images were coming out of her from you know earlier times. And she's happy to see them. She's never sued anyone over that kind of stuff. That's for sure. Right. So when it came back around and I decided I was going to update this, I wrote him. I said, look, I'm, I'm making an ass of myself. It's been six years, but would you reconsider? And he said, oh, yeah, I, I'll do it. <laughs> so no resistance like, at all. Just no, like, like Liz Rosenberg. Yeah. It was like, the no turns into, of course. So yeah. but he was very particular. I can't go into why, but he was very particular about which images I could choose from. I do know that there were several setups. Um, and so, and I haven't seen all of the images. Right. Um, but I had, I was able to choose this and it's just such a great shot. I love it. It's, it's very 1984. It's her profile is immaculate. It's got an earring by Mary Paul, who was quick to oh, point cool. that out. Yeah. I didn't realize yeah. it. He's like, oh, that's a gunmetal earring that I made. And she said, you know, it's a locket and inside, you know, it's a, do you know, it's, 
inside there a picture of Madonna. So Madonna's wearing her own face inside of her locket, which is like even better. Very Leo. I love it. Um, and so I, I'm just really proud that I was able to get this picture on the cover. It was something I had to license. And, and like I said, I had to work on it for a long time. And I think if I were a fan, which I am, but if I were like a fan who wasn't writing the book, for me, the book is worth it for the cover and yeah. the interview content alone. And then it's just nice to be up to date and all the other things she's up to. Yeah, absolutely. It's it's such a, a vast amount of dedication and you feel like this was written by a fan. And I think that's the important piece. And I, I said this about when I went to the Pride event. I mean, meeting fans was one of, of course, seeing Madonna was great, but like meeting the fans gave me the energy and the life that I feel like I have been missing or I, I haven't really had much of in my whole entire life of being a fan um, just because I, I never really had other fans slash friends to hang out with and talk about Madonna so much as much I had, as I did that night. I had some along the way who were friends. And then sometimes when you're a big fan of something, you, you attract frenemies because yeah. you both have the same love, but you're a little competitive about like, <laughs> where did you get that? What did you get invited to? I want this. So it can be a little prickly, but I also used to have pen pals that I got through Icon uh-huh. and and I'm friends with some of them to this day, which is so weird. Like um, Giulio Mazzolini, who's this wonderful, he's a publicist now in Italy. He's one of her biggest fans of all time. He has a photo archive. He's insane. I mean, I anytime I see a picture, I have any question about it. I'll say, have you seen this before? And he'll either say yes or no. And he'll tell you, often will tell you the day on which it was shot. Not the mm-hmm. day it was published, not the day that it was first seen, the day it was shot. You know, he, he's got it. I told him it would be so great if he could do his photo archive as a book, but the rights would be insane. Oh, um, yeah, so I'm she sure. really needs to do that. She really needs to put out a, if she came out with a definitive visual archive, it would just be like a book, like, you know, thousand page book or a bunch of volumes. Oh, we would yeah, all buy like that 80s, up. 90s, yeah. We'd all buy that up. Because exactly. even though we've seen everything, there's more. Well, speaking of what we'd also buy up, um, I want to kind of wrap things up with you because it is 40 years of Madonna. Um, we're getting a slew of new releases that are supposed to lead up to these re-releases, which we haven't really heard any details about. But um, we are getting the erotica picture disc that is coming out to celebrate the 30th anniversary of erotica and everybody is coming out on record store day this november to celebrate the actual 40-year release of that song with an exclusive cover um and of course we just got finally enough love the remix compilation album are you excited by any of this do you like it is it things that you're just like well yeah that's fine but I'd rather have this or are you like, yes, keep releasing it. And I will give you all of my money. I just think that we're spoiled as Madonna fans and don't realize it because if you look at other artists, very few of them have put out as many um, fan centric things as she has Mm -hmm. in the past. So it's always a gift if we get a compilation or a record, a record store day release the erotica one blows me away. I'm shocked that somebody thought of doing that. 
I feel bad for the people who have the original, which is so valuable. I'm sure it's still valuable because it is, yeah. you can still prove that it's the original, but it does take a little sheen off of it. Um, so I'm excited. I already bought that. And I hate, I don't even like vinyl anymore. I was obsessed with vinyl when I was growing up. I bought, I still mm-hmm. do have all my 45s of every celebrity, you know, every, every singer. Um, but I got rid of all my 12 inches and I got rid of all my CDs. I don't, I love the oh, music, no. like I said in the beginning, but I don't, I'm not an audiophile. So mm-hmm. I don't care about the sound quality. So if I'm in the mood, I'll just put on something on YouTube and listen to it. I'm fine with that. Okay. So normally I don't buy vinyl. I don't own vinyl, you know, of her. And so, of course, finally Enough Love came out and I got swept up. I bought everything. Or swept away. I got swept away. We don't, <laughs> we don't speak of that. I, I, I got everything. I bought the six LP, the, the slip mats, the prints, red, silver, clear. You know, I bought Japanese. You know, I bought everything. And I don't know why. I think I just, I think sometimes if you, if things aren't happening, and you're and or maybe if people are are being really negative about Madonna mm-hmm. at a certain point, you double down. You either move away or you double down. So I'm, <laughs> I'm in the process of doubling down. I'm, I'm giving her back all this money I'm making. I'm giving it right back to her. Yeah. Um, and I am excited about it. I liked that everybody that everybody's coming out with a, her picture on it. You know, the original mm-hmm. one didn't have her picture, although that was an amazing cover. Um, <clears throat> and I liked that's going I to think, be included as the the slip cover is it inside. oh good that's yeah, nice. the, the original cover is going to be like the what the record is in that's good so that so there's some acknowledgement there um i want more i mean all i can say is i just like everyone's kind of the ones who criticize it are mostly it's, it's not that they dislike it it's just that they think it could have been so much more yeah but there's really i don't know how you can really ever police how you can ever really know what the fans want what they're going to eat up and i know that anything that's limited they buy you know, MDNA was one of her least well-liked records. And she just came out with that, I can't remember what it's called, lenticular that kind of Lenticular, thing. yeah. Mm-hmm. Pulled out, and now it's selling for over $200. So really, there's she's. it's a good problem to have. There's so many things she could do that she'll never be able to pick the right thing yeah. to make everyone happy. I mean, if I were on her payroll, or even if I were just a, a volunteer... <laughs> <laughs> of course, I would be saying we've got to put out Blonde Ambition, like fully, a full Blonde Ambition. Blonde Ambition, reissue of Like a Prayer. Yes, I mean, I'm happy to have any of these things that are official. I think it's great. Yeah. Of course, if I were running things, I would always be hunting down unseen photos, Polaroids, mm-hmm. you know, weird stuff like the people have never seen. Um, but just the fact that, that she's bothering to put it out, we should be happy. I, it is unpredictable. I have no idea what's coming. You would have thought there'd be like an erotica, you know, 30th anniversary yeah. re-release, but instead we got the album. Maybe we still will. I don't know. I think we might eventually will. I think this 40 years is kind of, they're starting at the beginning. I feel like that's what they want to do. They want to start yeah. with, because next year in 2023 is the 40th anniversary of the first album. So I think that's their opportunity to kick things off there. This really isn't kickoff. These are more just like, um, right. Yeah. To what we'll eventually get. I love, I love finally enough love. I think it's a great compilation. I love having all these mixes. Mm -hmm. Um, I didn't like celebration that much. No, that's not 
there's a lot of audio issues with that one that yeah, I, and I, and I'm not I refuse to listen to it. I just didn't really like it. It, it. Even I noticed some things about it that I just didn't like. So I, I didn't love that as, a, but I like all of our other compilations and this yeah. one I like more because you just don't hear the remixes all the time. It's not your first go-to. And right. one thing I really don't like is I don't like how fans are so uptight about the fact that she's playing with her classic hits. I understand. I totally understand the idea of like, you know, Kim Kardashian wearing Marilyn Monroe's dress is revolting to me because it's the original dress and she's stretching it all out. And it's it's something that can never be changed. Back. Right. Yeah. But a song, no matter what Madonna does to any of her classic songs, they'll never replace the original release. Right. I mean, with almost no exception, could she possibly come up with something that would be better than? So... Why not play with it? And I think she deserves a lot of credit for, I mean, people often make fun of her and say that she doesn't have a sense of humor. She takes everything too seriously. But when it comes to her music, she's exhibiting a remarkable, I think, remarkable capacity to tinker with it, to, as she, as she you know, wants her to work toward failure, just work, just try something, see if it works. Um, she's opened herself to working with new artists who... Yeah. You know, people say that she benefits from that, and she does, but not as much as they benefit from working with her. I mean, they're the ones who are suddenly getting all these new eyes on them, where she's getting some younger people, but they're unlikely to really, you know, love her all of a sudden anyway. She's not going to suddenly gain, you know, a crazy amount Entire of new, new like audience, yeah. 20-year-old fans. They're more likely to have older people say, oh, I know who Takesha is. Exactly. So I think yeah. she gets a lot of credit for doing that. Um, I don't think that her collaborations are as cynical as they could be i mean she yeah. could be i shouldn't say because then she'll do it <laughs> yeah she's talked about working with britney that would be a very a gimme that would be an obvious like right. mainstream collaboration which i would probably love but um i think it'd be fun if she did if she did something with elton john i mean like let's just blow yeah. it up Blow it up. Exactly. You know, do it with Janet Jackson. Bury do, the hatchet. Lady Gaga. All these obvious ones. Um, I, do, I like that idea because I'm sick of all the fighting. I'm like Liz. I'm sick of the fighting, guys. Yeah, it's it's crazy um, the way some people are just so... Uh, the way some fans are just so, like, they have nothing to say nice about any artist that's not Madonna or that's in that who's considered in diva status. And it's like, listen, there's room for everyone. Stop putting women, stop pitting women against each other. Cause that's what it ends up coming down to. Cause people don't do this with male artists. It's only the female artists that you really notice this like hate and, and cat fight like attitude. Yeah, about. it's true. It's totally true. It's ridiculous. It's women. And, it's like, and also listen, somehow Madonna cultivated a fan base unknowingly that does not like rap. And I think it's funny because, you know, Madonna was always around rappers and urban right. music and urban culture. Beastie Boys. And, and always, yeah, um, you could go on and on. Tupac Bad, and... Bad Five Freddy, you know. Yeah. She, she was around these, you know, people and who were very authentic downtown types and urban music. And and I feel like now you just so commonly hear people say like, oh, I want to do something with another rapper. You know, and she should be working with women, not rappers. And I'm like, you know, there's sometimes they're both. Right. You know, she did that with <laughs> two women recently. I mean, come on, you know, like 
she did work with Nicki Minaj. Does that count? Um, that's a woman. <laughs> but what else don't you like about her? I'm wondering. You know, I just feel like the styles are different, and they don't appreciate these extra, these other styles. And it's fine. Yeah. You know, if you don't like it, there's a lot of stuff she's done I don't like. I didn't like the Frozen mixes that much at all. Uh, I love the Hung Up remix, and that's not the kind of music I usually listen to. I wouldn't yeah. be like, oh, what's trap? What's this? You know, but I, I really like the way it sounds. And um, I think people should be either a little more open to it or should be a little more open to not being so emphatically against it. It's not that serious. It's not changing anything. You don't have to listen to it. It's not going to be a runaway number one hit for 12 weeks and replace the original in all playlists. Yeah. So just be happy that she's experimenting and um, and trying new things. It's only going to lead to more creativity at some point. Yeah. And I love it. I, and, you know, I may not be a fan of everything that she does, but I also have 40 years that I can go back through and say, well, I'm not feeling what she's doing right now, but I'm going to throw on bedtime stories and start listening to it today. So, yeah, I mean, you have options. It's not like <laughs> you, everything that, that she puts out today has to reflect the feeling that you had when you listened to what you might consider her her best work. It's it's a little, I mean, I totally get it that people should be free to criticize yeah. and to have their own opinions. And I try not to jump down someone's throat as long as they're being fair. I do right. have to curtail myself sometimes. It does bug me when people are like, criticizing her appearance and then you look at their page and it's like okay this is not a good look for you uh, and i have done that i have pointed that out i'm not i don't not turn the other cheek kind of person but i guess i just i feel like they would um if you really are a big fan of madonna like they say they all say oh i've been a fan of her since the 80s but and then they say horrendous something horrendous not like i'm not feeling this more like it feels like you shouldn't be so excited to be shoveling dirt onto Madonna's grave. Right. You shouldn't be excited about it. And if you are going to do that, you should know that she's going to catch up each shovel full of dirt as you do it and throw it back at you anyway. So yeah, just, just, I would just say like, I have a lot of artists I really don't like. Mm -hmm. I don't, and I have bitched about them t from time to time. I don't go to their fan, you know, their fan Facebook no pages yeah. and insult people for liking them. I don't stalk people. I don't, you know, take it that seriously. It's like some people like Madonna and some people don't. Some people like all the others. Some people like them all. I like those fans. Those are the ones I find so interesting that are like, mm -hmm. I love Madonna. my favorite you know, performers are Madonna, Elton John, Janet Jackson, Lady Gaga. And I'm like, wow, you like and Mariah Carey. And I'm like, wow, you like all the ones yeah. who are pitted against each other. That's so amazing like you never got caught up in any of the competition and that's probably healthier yeah and that's the way i like to to kind of live my life <laughs> you know i'm you could be a fan of everyone it doesn't have to be so one-sided um madonna or, is the queen of pop but madonna aside from is that the queen of pop. aside Absolutely. from that everyone else is awesome there's a lot of other yeah. queens <laughs> <laughs> there's plenty to go around no need to get your panties and, in a while. And you know, I think one of the reasons that's now, I think we're wrapping up, but yeah. one of the things that I think is um, so contentious about Queen of Pop is that the other people who have these titles are dead. So no one really feels right about trying to, you know, refresh Queen of Pop, you know, Queen of King of Pop, 
there's been a little there have been some efforts but not really queen of yeah. soul like king of rock we know who these people are like that's not going to be reassigned madonna's still living and she's still trying to do stuff that's new and mm-hmm. we're into a world now where there's so much more out there there's so much more diversity in every sense of the word not just skin color not just you know you know background but diversity of art and of like yeah. what form of music you do and where is it heard and are you on tv are you are you on you know in movies are you you're promoting things so and it's going to get worse as we or it's going to get worse or better as we go forward it's going to be much less dif- much less possible to pinpoint a single person as the king or the queen of anything because right. half the population is going to have no idea who that person is because they're watching all these other people. I mean, like, I guess we get into like Beyonce and Lady Gaga, like they're pretty obviously queens at this point. Right. But after that, it's going to get tough. I just think some of these younger ones, as successful as they're going to be, and they're going to break records and they're going to be huge, it's going to be a lot harder to make an argument that they're the queen of anything. They're just going to be themselves. So maybe yeah. that's better. And I also don't, th- I think a lot of people will try to use charts to justify things. And for me, it's like, well, it, I feel like Madonna transcends chartage, all, all the stuff that she started, because she has had direct impact on social culture as well. And I don't think a lot of these artists, regardless that they have a great singing voice and are great performers, I don't think they are transcending cultural barriers that Madonna has throughout. Yeah. But also, she is the queen of the charts. Up until now that that they've changed, the charts are really, I find it really hard to take it seriously that it's all, I mean, I guess Billboard's done a good, good, pretty good job of of realizing that you have to take into account streaming and all that. But it's very hard to compare streaming to all the people who trudged out in the snow and bought copies of the Immaculate Collection. I feel like everything before streaming needs a big asterisk as like, yeah, this counts a little harder than the stuff that comes forward. So because of that, she's the queen of the charts. But I know what you're saying. She's also the queen of influence. I think she's both. And I don't think yeah. anyone would even fight this if Madonna were nice. If Madonna were yeah. a nice lady and gracious, and if she was just humble about everything, loved her I fans, think. and she probably so wouldn't much. have that many fans if that Thank was so much. If that was the fact. I yeah. really appreciate your support. I'd love <laughs> to sign an autograph. You know, like that stuff is great, and it feels great in the moment. Like I love seeing friendly fans, friendly mm-hmm. stars, and they're great. But that's not what she is. She's she's much more of a an, an art an art world figure. You know, she's she's Picasso. You know what I'm saying? She's Picasso wasn't necessarily a nice guy either. She's a tough person. She's yeah. got she's also got a hardened shell because she's been, you know, you can't complain about her being a tough lady after you've been heaping abuse on her that she can see and that you're tagging her in. So I think she's, you know, got that shell and I think that's what makes her cool. And I think she's an original. No one is wholly original, but I think she's an original. And um again, I think that's that's why people are, are fighting to take things away from her because they don't like her. Yeah. Well, she rises up above it, up above it all. (laughs) Well, Matthew, thank you so much for, for doing this. Um, It's been such a pleasure uh, talking to you about Encyclopedia Madonica. 
If you want to get a copy, they can go to Amazon, correct? Yes, people can can find the book on Amazon. The paperback is on Amazon. Um, I'm not selling a hardcover on Amazon. I'm, I'll generate. I will generate a hardcover copy, um, but you have to come to me directly on that. You can find me on social media, or you can find me at pay, at uh, PayPal.me backslash Boy Culture, which is my website. But feel free to ask me in person. I'm I'm very ready to answer any questions. It's just the the hardcover is a little more expensive just because of the the production cost. That's the main difference. Inflation. What are you going to do? Inflation. We're living in a material <laughs> world. And Quirrell. we are material ghouls. Quirrells, which, by the way, I liked. <laughs> I like that one, too. I don't. A lot of people didn't like that one. But thank you again. It's been a pleasure. Uh, I hope to stay in contact with you. Um, and hopefully run into you again when yes. I'm in New York. Always happy to talk. And, and I can always talk about Madonna, especially because as we've seen, you talk about Madonna, it leads to other things. Oh, geez. Yeah. I I could literally spend days, weeks. We need to have a Madonna con and let everyone. Remember those? Exhaust. We need to get those back. Let's get those back. I know. Did you ever go to one of them? Yes. I, I went to the first one. I'm so glad because I was in Chicago and it was in Detroit. So I went home. My mother was so pissed off because she said, you came back into the state and didn't see me. And I'm like, well, sorry. Uh, I went to the first one and it was like heaven because you're surrounded by crazy Madonna fans. And there's, I found all these. When was that? All this merch. It was 1991. Wait. Oh, wow. No, it was 1992. First, first half of 1992 before sex, erotica, et cetera. Oh, wow. So everyone was still high on Madonna. I was like, yay. And then sex and erotica came out. And the next year there was another one. And it was like difficult because not as many people showed up. I oh, swear wow. she lost half her fan base over that and then regained some of them. But uh, it was it was a pleasure. And I saw all this merchandise I'd never seen and some of which I couldn't even afford at the time and spent years hunting for. And that's what mm-hmm. I love. I love meeting all the people and finding things. And it was great. And I, I and then they had Maddie Fest. You that's know, the Nick, one I went to. Yeah, I went to the one in Michigan did. and the one in New York City. You went to the one in Michigan? I went to one of them in Michigan, I think in either 96 or 97. Oh, they had them later. I didn't know that. Yeah. Um, and I forget, there was this guy that organized it because he also organized the Prince Fest, the one for Prince. Um, and that was in like Toledo, Ohio. But this the Madonna one was in Michigan. Um, and I remember driving there in the snow, ruining my brand new car that I had gotten because they the the salt and stuff that they put on the road just like destroyed the paint on my car um and then uh i went to the one i believe it was in 99 for maddie fest and donna delory performed there with nick and julio ran that that was great i believe so yeah did was that also the year that that queer donna performed yes yes uh i believe might have been her last performance that she did yeah Rest in power. Rest in Chaconi. <laughs> well, thank you again. Um, I hope you have a fantastic weekend and you aren't, st- well, hopefully you are staying busy fulfilling those orders for everyone. Um, they're on the way. As, as they're coming in. And I cannot wait to receive mine and I hope everyone else gets their copy soon as well. Thank so you. thank you again. I will talk to you later. Thank you. Bye. Bye.